Hi, welcome to Literaturely, a podcast about teaching literature. I'm Margaret Monk. And I'm Paige Wallace. And today we're talking about peer review, peer editing, workshop, doesn't really matter what you call it, it's not typically considered a super sexy subject to talk about, but I think we're actually really excited to dive into it. Yeah, is peer review not sexy? I'm out of touch. I don't think it is for literature classes, because when I tried to research it, not a lot came up. And even looking on Twitter, most of it was, most of the tweets being shared were from high school okay. teachers. So yeah, so I guess then we want to talk about like what our goals are for peer review and how they're different or the same for, as peer review goals for comp classes. Yeah, so Paige, what is your goal? How, how does that change from moving from a composition class to a literature class. Oh, okay, class. so for composition classes, workshops, I think are more technical. How do you organize your writing? Mm-hmm. How do you organize your ideas? Um, and I think that peer workshops in a literature class, or peer review, not just workshop, in a literature class, give students the opportunity to see analysis from their peers that are in the same position as they are. Right. So a lot of times we are giving them analytical essays that are or critical essays that are way out of reach for them, for our students at at this particular junction. Right. In their academic career. Mm -hmm. And it can be overwhelming. And it's like, well, I, I understand what analysis looks like in that peer reviewed article, but I can't do that. I'm not ready to do that. What does analysis look like for me? Uh, and I think peer yeah. review is a way to see what's working and what's not working so much more easier than it is to see it in your own writing. Yeah, no, I think to build off of that a little bit of seeing something in someone else's work makes it easier to see it in your own writing. I think that's one of the key benefits for me as well. Um that students can see what doesn't work in a literary analysis in someone else's work, and then they go back to their own, and they're like, oh, I did the same exact exactly. thing. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think they, at least for in my classes, I hear them say that to one another, which I think is also really reassuring when you're getting feedback. Um, to have someone in the same position with you. So I hear them say, okay, so you're doing this, but I'm also doing this. And then they start trying to work through like, so how do we fix it if we're both doing this incorrectly? And I let them talk through that. Like I try not to swoop right. in and I want them to, and, and we talk about it at the end as a class as a whole, but it's really great to see them feel comfortable with someone else. It's like that, being vulnerable Absolutely. position. Like, yeah, you have to be vulnerable in order to learn. And I think that that also speaks to how peer review helps students become more comfortable in sharing their work across the board. Because I think, like, undergrad research is really important. And, again, they also often feel like I'm not capable of doing that yet. Like, I'm not ready to present at a conference, even on an undergrad panel, or I'm not ready to share my work with people because I'm just like imposter syndrome. And yeah. I think peer review helps them get more comfortable with sharing their work and their ideas. Yeah, so it sounds a little bit like we're both talking about peer review in the lit classroom, professionalizing them in some way, like either for further literary um, 
adventures or thinking like long-term, like how do you share your work? How do you give feedback? How do you receive feedback? Um, how do you analyze something, assess a work that there's somewhat of an assumption that our stu students at this level already have the writing foundation, um, that we're not as worried about skills or te uh, technicalities. I yeah, the technical know, aspects. Words are all German. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that we're more focused on like content right. um, and the ideas and, and can you clearly express this content? Um, I know like other things that like I tend to want my students to focus on are things like balance of evidence and analysis um, or consideration of having an actual argument and then the priority that isn't as exciting and I don't know that I also like to use peer reviews to make sure the students understand the assignment and that I have built into the peer review where they answer questions things like does this fulfill the assignment why or why not restate the thesis the audio or the author's thesis in your own words so like they can't just be like yeah it's fine yeah it's good it's a little bit of an accountability check beforehand too. Like, are you doing the work or is this going to succeed? So there's no surprise twist at the end of our season <laughs> together. I don't need that cliffhanger. Right, I'm a hundred percent with you on that. I have like a policy or not policy, but definitely it work it in to peer review, like revisit the prompt, revisit the assignment <laughs> sheet and check for keywords, like stuff like that. Um, so yeah, accountability does factor into how peer review works in the lit class. I think it's nice to have that accountability. One, like again, like I was saying, I don't want to find out that my students didn't understand the assignment after it's mm -hmm. too late. And you can like ask them throughout the semester, but if they think they understand it, they're going to say, yep, no right. problems. Like, and. I also found that I just get a lot better work from my students when we're doing these check-ins throughout the semester rather than them cramming it in at the end, which is what I would do if I was a student and had no check-ins throughout. I'd be like, yeah, I can do that during finals right. week. That's when I'm going <laughs> to write that paper, which is like it, it does a better job of fulfilling the course objectives if we're doing it throughout because then it's we're, I know that they're hitting those different marks rather than just hoping. Yeah, that they will. no versus hoping. That's a really good point. Uh, I think also what you were saying earlier, just to kind of bring us back a little bit to the point you were making about whether or not they have an argument. Mm. When they're writing, you know, that review or literary research essay or whatever it is, they think they have an argument. And yeah. so to them, there's an argument there. They know what's in their head. They know what they're trying to say, what, what whether or not they've gotten it down on paper or not is not always apparent. And so having that moment of peer review where they have to answer some questions uh, or be accountable to their partner about uh, the sort of strength of their argument is really productive, I think. Yeah, I am one of those teachers that I give my students pretty detailed peer edit forms um, that they have to complete. And it does take a whole hour to complete these. Um, 
And the reason I do that is because I have found that the majority of my students really haven't completed peer edits before. Or when they have, it's been a like, read the your partner's paper and tell them what you think. So they don't know what to do. That they're like, I know I'm supposed to assess this, but I don't know what to assess it for. I don't know how to do it. Um, and so I also see peer edits as a way to start building that side. What we were talking about before, of like preparing our students to be able to assess and evaluate and explain how to improve. The peer edits for me are not for them to demonstrate how great they are already at doing it, but to build those skills to continue doing it. And I want to make sure that they hit certain things to look for. Like these are the sorts of things to consider in a literary analysis, whether what the author is doing well. And, and we practice that throughout the semester, but I really want to make sure they're hitting it. So that way each writer gets usable. Feedback. Right. And so it's just another way of giving like this set of tools. And I think that by giving them, I also give like a really, I, it, I guess my students might describe it as tedious because <laughs> they are used to workshops where, they're in and out and they can say like, oh yeah, it's great. I love it. And I'm like, don't do that. I hate that. Um, here's this, you know, <laughs> like a checklist or a series of questions or whatever to go through this peer review process with. And I think that it's a way of reinforcing the tools that you already are going mm-hmm. over with them. But again, they maybe they've got a handle on, have a, they could have a stronger grip, right? Or maybe they yeah. don't and they think they do. And so in that moment, peer review is a good way to, to assess that. Yeah, so you just said that whole like, they're, a lot of times they're used to just being like, yep, it's good. Let's get out of here. It's sun, sunny outside and I want to <laughs> enjoy the day. I, to try to like explain to them like the purpose of this, like so they don't rush through, I go over the difference between being nice and being kind and being nice is reading your partner's paper and telling them it's so great. You did such a good job, even when there's a lot of problems. And that being kind is pointing out those problems so they can fix it before they turn in the paper. And I use the metaphor of like when you're out to dinner with your friend and they have food in their teeth, you're, if you're nice, you don't say anything, you just ignore it. And then they find out later and are so embarrassed. And if you're kind, you say, oh, you've got something right there. And unfortunately, this set me up that then after that, my students would be say like, oh, Miss Moth, you have like a smudge on your face. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, thank you for being kind. <laughs> so. I love that so much. Um, I, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I just remember that I had put it out of my brain until you were talking about that for some reason. So the question is, do you still use that metaphor? I do. I just make sure that I don't have smudges on my face okay. anymore. <laughs> so, like, you you basically, you bought a compact mirror just to check before class, right? Okay. Yeah. And I fixed the problem. So, really, they just demonstrated to me how it does work. Like, once someone tells you that there's a problem, <laughs> <laughs> you adjust. Okay. I, yeah, I love that. Uh, what about, okay, so we've kind of gone over our goals, I feel like. We've, we've covered those now. Uh, do we want to talk about the different uh, kinds of peer review that we've done in the past? Yeah, so I think we've started to touch on it that like um, the standard peer review of like providing the worksheet and all that. And I think maybe we can start there talking like how that is typically worked okay. for us and then the alternative styles we've also yeah. used. Um, so 
Yeah, how have you? I'm actually interested because I don't think we've ever shared peer review materials with one another. So I don't know. What yeah. So like. I was just thinking uh, that we should, if we're comfortable, share some of our peer review materials. Something that uh, I have, I can easily access and give to you. Um, but so peer review usually works. I think that maybe if you've been listening to us, you have already gotten the vibe that I like to do like a lot of like semester long collaborative group work stuff. Um, and so the way that I usually work out peer review is that I try and do, I keep them in the same core groups. Every now and then I'll have groups cross over. Um, but Generally, I keep them in the same core groups and they're reading each other's work over the course of the semester multiple times. So they have like an idea of who their partners are, their group mates are as writers, as academics, as students, right? And so I think they can give more, like better feedback that way. Um, and, but to mix it up, I try and do a different kind of peer review each time that group meets, right? So if we have three papers over the course of the semester and we peer review those once, then we have three different distinct or distinctly different peer review processes. Um, and it really depends on at what stage we're in, right? So again, it's not a comp class, so I don't typically peer review the same essay multiple times, but I'll try and peer review like the proposal for the research essay, um, a draft for the literary analysis or, or like a brainstorming peer review session for one of the smaller projects. And so if it's a brainstorming session, then that peer review might be, um, like a pitch. So how can you pitch your ideas for this short literary analysis to your partners? And so then it's, it's kind of like, um, a covert draft assignment, right? So I'm not necessarily saying you have to draft your paper, but you have to be prepared to present a pitch on this scheduled peer review, and it needs to include, you know, these five things, or and it needs to be th this length of time, or because sometimes I'll have them do them like with each other orally, but mostly I'll have them like write it out. So it also needs to be this number of words, whatever. So that's like one thing I'll do. If it's something like, the proposal, with the proposal I've done, like, what's your vision? Read your partner's proposal, answer the series of questions, and then give them, like, a end comment that lays out from reading the proposal what you think their vision is for the final prod product. And then if it's, like, a draft draft of a larger paper, I'll have them do the more traditional, like, let's exchange papers and then fill out this peer review form that covers, and I usually mm -hmm. break my peer review forms up into different categories, right? So I think that's really Yeah, helpful. so it'll start with, like, a, a category, I'm trying to think, like, so, like, there's usually a category for analysis, there's usually some, or a couple categories for analysis, so I'll do, like, what's the thesis, and then a category with a series of questions, like, do they have a thesis? How do you know? Does it pass the thesis statement checklist? And then a category um, for, like, analysis, what evidence, what kind of evidence do they present to us, so on and so forth. And then some other categories are, like, flair, right? So I'll put, like, that, like, or, or sometimes I'll say, like, polish instead of flair, but I'm really talking about flair. 
do do I enjoy like as a reader reading this essay? Am I excited about it? Can I hear that person's voice? Um, stuff like that. But yeah, I think that's that's pretty much what I do um, with that <laughs> traditional peer review. I, I I'll talk about my less traditional option, or you know, out of the box after you tell me about yours. I think in some ways our traditional um, are pretty similar approaches. I, I normally break it up into multiple rounds in my literature classes as well. So we workshop first the proposal. Um, I have the students break up um, typically in groups of four where they're responsible first for working in partners and then and then swapping, like talking as a group. So they get a few different perspectives in that. Um, then students, after they receive that proposal feedback, they outline and then we conference at that point. And then we do another peer edit for a draft. But um, for the proposal, they turn it into me and I'm actually sitting in the front of the class. They have to bring a hard copy that day. And I try to give feedback while they're workshopping. So I'm workshopping kind of a along with them. And I never work so fast as <laughs> I do during those. So the proposal feedback is not super extensive from me that day. Um, I am sort of relying on the students, but it's for me to catch, like, catch any sort of huge errors or red flags or misunderstandings. Um, but for the most part, I just give like a couple sentences so that way I can get through, you know, all 32 of them in the 50 minutes we have. That's impressive. And again, I have never worked so fast as I do it that day. It's it's not necessarily hard work because proposals are kind of fun mm -hmm. to read. We're like, oh, okay. Um, but it is, it is a hustle. Um, but I also think it helps model for them that this is something we're taking seriously. And so they kind of work steadily throughout that that day too. And so while I'm doing that, they um, are looking at each other's work and for the peer editor, they first have to assess whether or not the proposal meets the criteria of the project and, and explain why. But they also have to consider like, does this sort of project seem like it only requires four to six pages or whatever the length is that day or for that project. Typically, the term papers I have are like six to eight pages, but you know, they always have more to say than they think they do. So I'm like, does it seem like they could answer this in four pages? Right. Um, sometimes they're like, oh, this would take a book. <laughs> like if it's just like since the beginning <laughs> of time, um, then they, I have like some language that's specific to my proposals where I, I tell my students that proposals identify a specific problem whether it's a problem like in the conversation about the text or like problem in the text. So like my proposal feedback, like, or um, form talks about like what problem is the proposal talking about? What are three things you associate with this problem? Why do you think this problem, what do you think the most important part of this problem is? Um, does the novel actually have a connection to this problem where I'm really trying to get them to work, like give the writer some other things to consider that they may have overlooked. Um, they also like have to answer things like, can you think of any similar arguments to this? Or can you think of any useful materials the author should look into? What sort of evidence do you think the writer should try to incorporate or, or look for when they start researching? What are the key terms you associate with all of this? Um, and it's really just coming up with the plan. Um, and then they 
give encouragement. So it's like, what is most exciting about this? <laughs> um, and then while after that, the writer has to answer questions themselves about the proposal. Um, so they have to answer things like, what initially drew you to this topic? And why are you still interested in it? Um, why do you think this is important? What are your next steps? And like, give me the specific steps. What do you think the strongest counter argument is? And like, what questions do you have? And they upload that to their site so I can check that out before their conference with me. So that way I know why they care about it. So if it's a project that doesn't work and it's something like, I'm interested in this because I'm an education major, then maybe like I can be like, oh, well, these are issues for education majors or people in this field that we can think through. Or if they're like, I care about this because I'm really interested in race right now, then I'm like, okay, well, let's think about how we can make this topic more specific. Here are some like resources you might be interested in and go from there. Um, the second draft of the workshop are, um, is pretty similar to you, Paige, as well, where it's like broken in those categories. Um, and I focus like on thesis, um, intro, what types of evidence they're using, um, their, the analysis. And then I also break down organization into two parts because I want my students to really think about how everything fits together. So we talk about like the organization of individual paragraphs and then how they fit as a whole. Um, and then style like what you talked about. And um, I also try to do an overview because I know I can't hit everything. So in the overview, I have like, what is your general impression of the paper? Um, what are two things the author needs to work on? What are two things they do well? And I always try to end it on the positive, like, <laughs> like end with something they're doing great. Tell them there's hope. Right. But I used to have them answer what are two to three adjectives you would use to describe this paper. So if they knew that general impression, but they, it's too abstract of a question I found. So they'll just always say things like interesting, unique, um, which isn't very helpful. Right. For, for, so yeah, so that's what I do. And I tend, like I said, have them work in groups of two and three um, for the draft because there's really only time for them to get through mm -hmm. one of these. I have, I was trying to figure out like how many questions I have for each. But it's like a two page of just two pages of just questions. Oh, it's actually three pages. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It's it's a fair bit. But I want them to really think about like everything an argument has to have to succeed. Um, and break that down. And they and I also expect them to answer in complete questions uh, complete answers. Um, that I say you can't do yes or no because that doesn't actually let the author know why they're succeeding or failing right. like you have like even if it's just copying and pasting from their paper and saying like like here this doesn't mm -hmm. work at least that's a place for them to start and be like oh so why is this okay so i have some questions so do you workshop or have them do a peer review session for the same paper multiple times they do the workshop for the proposal and then the draft and i individually conference with them okay but, and is that for your term oh, paper? Yeah, that's for okay. our term paper. I will have um, extra credit where they can review another drafting. Okay. Game. And I do tell them that if they sign up for that, they have to see it through because it's extra credit that requires a partner. And so it's not mm -hmm. fair to leave someone hanging. And, and so um, do you workshop or do peer review sessions for 
more minor papers. Yeah, so I was thinking about that, that my uh, critical conversations that we've talked about are basically peer review practice, mm -hmm. where it's not as straightforward. It's, it's a little bit more abstract, so they get used to assessing an argument. So that's the one where they do flash right. essays throughout the semester. Yeah, and they respond using agree and, agree but, agree yet, disagree because. And that's actually built into these um, workshops, okay. that those ideas of agree and and whatnot. Um, and so those peer, those responses that you do throughout um, definitely work up to the sorts of like, what sort of analysis is the writer doing? What are the other scenes that would be helpful to support this argument? Um, why would you disagree with them? But they only get those two for the term paper themselves, or at least I'm, that I require. Okay. They can always sign them. Wait, wait, How I'm not times? done yet. Oh, I have okay. one more question. Oh. Um, so tell, do you ever do like peer reviews, like online peer reviews that don't happen during class time? Yes. So for the critical conversations, like those they had the option to do in the classroom or at home. And the majority, I'd say like always minimum 75% wanted to be in class where, um, but the ones who elected to be at home elected to be at home the entire semester with them, which is fine. Um, I found in general, if they have the option, they want to be in class because they like to be able to ask questions immediately, just like we're doing right now, like having that conversation side to it um, versus just submitting the form and washing their hands mm -hmm. of it. I think they realized that they don't necessarily read the feedback if it's not immediate, mm -hmm. unfortunately. So that's the bonus um, peer edit is also online and in that they're because it's not taking place in class so they just have to do it at home. I don't know how to make it more immediate in general so that like students because I found that in my comp class teaching online like students weren't always remembering that they were also receiving mm -hmm. feedback not just giving it. Um, yeah. Have you done online peer edits? Have you been able to figure out how to? Well, I think um, one thing uh, it, that helps with that is to always have that that reflective part, like that re reflection mm -hmm. um, where students are, after they've received feedback, they have to fill out a sort of like reflection on, on the feedback mm -hmm. that they received. I think that that can make them like more engaged right with yeah. interrogating the feedback they get versus just like giving feedback but i do think you're right that face to face is nice um and i think it makes them more receptive to the feedback too because absolutely there's a person mm -hmm. right like it feels more familiar and like that they care about you rather than just someone criticizing right. you which is never the case but sometimes it can feel that it's easier way to get defensive with the screen right. yeah um I think you're right I, and so that's maybe something that we could crowdsource a little for thinking about mm -hmm. um like I'm teaching online this summer and and we're all again dealing with that possibility what are some ways that peer review could work in, in more that like that organic fluid way of conversation, right? Because so, we do have them fill out those sort of 
formal like handouts uh, um giving feedback but there is so much that happens in that in those moments of being able to ask questions and talk back and forth uh, um that you just don't get with that with, with just them answering those questions and even just the accountability of having to show up into the room with your your draft i know teaching like online i had a lot of students who were would just disappear but they would disappear suddenly, you know, they're, they would, would have been doing the work the whole time and suddenly they're just gone. And so I don't realize until I have a student emailing me that so-and-so <laughs> didn't submit a draft for me to review. Mm-hmm. Um, so the logistics get more complicated. But yeah, my brain's sort of rushing now of thinking like of ways we could work through that. I'm, I'm kind of excited to hear what people have to say. Because yeah. I do think that's something that seems more and more likely for the fall that we'll have to address. Right, yeah. Um, and and you want to recreate because peer review can be so productive, um, so generative. And so, like, being able to recreate those face-to-face interactions as much as possible. I'm also realizing um, this is going to be up in September, so people will know whether or not they are teaching mm. online or not. So let us yeah. know. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. How's it going? Yeah. Okay, then I guess we maybe talk about the different, well, I guess, what questions do you have, Margaret? Well, I can't think, they disappeared out of okay. my brain, which is one of the pitfalls, like, of peer editing face-to-face, is that it's really easy to go down. The rabbit hole. One road. <laughs> yeah, and I love a rabbit hole. There's rarely a rabbit hole I see that I'm not <laughs> jumping down. Uh, but I think you kind of, like, so... I was thinking at the end when, when you were talking about moving online or, and like kind of the reflection activity, which I think is really interesting. Um, it's sort of that, okay, these are maybe problems maybe with just using like a form approach to peer review. So what are some of the other ways you handle your peer reviews that are like less typical? Yes. Um, um, well, now that you're saying the, 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 you've mentioned this like, what, what ways other than the form? Um, so I mentioned pitches, uh, but I still think they fall under that more typical way of doing it. I have done, uh, I have adapted something that I was just thinking about. Uh, I've only done it once, I think, for a lit class. Uh, it was adapted from a comp class where we do, like, speed workshop um, so the entire yeah. thing, so there's, there, the, everything's broken up into rounds. Um, it has to be a really short draft, right? So like the first page of your literary analysis, it can't be something like the research paper. Cause that's just too, too, I mean, I guess it could, but I feel like it's just too big. Um, but you yeah. break them up into categories, like the round, break them up. Let me start over. You break the activity up into a series of rounds, usually four or five, depending on how long your class is. Uh, so it works better in a class that's like like a Tuesday, Thursday, or Monday, Wednesday, because it's a longer class. And I, I'm like, is that 90 minutes or 65? I don't know. Uh, however long. Yeah. Um, but basically, then you figure out how long each category they have in it. Um, so if you're in a 50 minute class, then you really only give, give them like five to seven minutes for each of those categories so that you'll have time before and after to kind of like, um, a, to like regroup. And so 
then it's entirely back and forth. So you set the desk up where there are two, one person on each side, right? The desk facing each other in a straight line. And so for each, after each round, they have like, during each round, they have a set of things they have to talk about. So you give them like a minute to read and then four minutes to talk. And so for round one, they talk about intros or thesis statements or whatever. Um, and then they switch. So they move one row moves and then the other stays. So it's just like speed dating, quote, quote. Um, but yeah. with your drafts. So that's something that I've done. It's a little hectic and it's more, again, it has to be done at the beginning because it's more about generative stuff. Um, I think then mm. revising, uh, but they like it. They have fun with it. And I think it's productive because again, they're seeing like five other examples of works in progress at the very beginning. Um, and so that's something I, I have done and would want to do more, I think. Yeah, no, I haven't done anything like that, but I agree with you that I like, like I'll sometimes have them in groups where it's like, you're going to do merry-go-round. So, like, I break them up maybe into like, groups of five, and they pass their papers around, but each each pass leads to a different set of questions. Mm-hmm. But it's also, like, what you were saying, so they can see multiple examples, so they can see whether or not they're lining up, but also they get multiple takes on their paper, because sometimes you just get someone who, like, doesn't get your, your work, but it doesn't mean it's bad, or vice versa. Right. Um, so I do like those sorts of approaches where it's maybe not less in-depth, but more more overview. I think that's really useful to do early right. on um, when you're they're still getting their bearings. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and, and I think I've also adapted some other things from comp classes to lit classes. I, I'm now remembering for things like my... I think it was like my intro to short story class. I, cause it, it's, they're not just majors in that course. It's a humanities requirement um, that they cut up their papers into individual paragraphs and had to shuffle them. And their partner had to try to put it back together to see if their train of thought made right. sense. And if all the paragraphs actually fit into it. Cause every once in a while you get that rogue paragraph that it's like, what? <laughs> what does this have to do with the rest of it? Right. Um, and and so that's sort of fun, and and they have to talk throughout it. I don't give any real question. I think I maybe give like three questions that they have to answer at, at the end. But in general, it's they have to talk to their partner when like about certain conclusions their peer editor made, or their peer editor has to check in with them if they hit a wall. So that's that's sort of fun, and and lets them work through some issues without feeling silly mm-hmm. or, or pressured. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so another thing I do is more for, like, the end of the drafting process. So um, I have had students present their papers in a sort of, like, conference style, so, like, a draft of it. Uh, so, again, like, it's a, for a term paper, uh, and the draft is, like, something they can read, um in like eight minutes ish so like five pages essentially um and so they the the time that's been most successful for me is that i had them do their proposals and then we grouped everybody based on their proposals and their their topics and then they presented on us on 
like their paper, their conference quote quote paper on that specific day with the rest of their panel. And so then that also helped because I want them to ask questions at the end. But after one student goes, they're like, I don't know if I have any questions. But when four students go go um, at the end of that, then they will ask questions. Um, that's fun. Yeah, and so that was a really has been a really fun like peer review. And then it also gives me a chance. Um so like if I do that, if the term papers do at the end of the semester, I'll try and do that 2 weeks before the end of the semester and then or even 3 weeks and then have an optional conference period. Um, and so that after I've heard their paper, their conference presentation per se, I can then like meet with them at an individual conference and talk about the, talk about what I, like some issues that I heard just while listening to their paper. Um, and then they can, they have that opportunity to fix it before they turn in the final. So when you schedule that sort of peer edit workshop, how many classes does it take? Can you get them? Like, is, does it take two or? Well, so if, so the, the, depends on the class, obviously. So I'm thinking yeah. when I did this for my, um, perspectives on short story class, there were 29 people in that class. We broke it up so that we, maybe we weren't just doing presentations the whole entire time. So I think I ended up doing across four classes. So we're like the first half of class would be like lecture or discussion. And then the second half of class would be like two panels um, and the questions that go with that. Okay, that makes sense. You're also making me realize talking about that, that the presentations I have my students do also, I think, prepare them for peer edits, where they their presentations are frequently on um, the secondary reading. And so the questions they have to answer for that are things like um, provide the context of the work, assess the person's argument, what are the strengths, what are the weaknesses, and all of that. And I'm like, oh, they sort of peer edit, like, you know, Henry Louis Gates and Judith Butler. Right. <laughs> So I think in some ways, literary classrooms were building in those peer edits throughout the semester, those skills, and, and the peer edits the time to see it pay right. off in a more direct Absolutely. way. Absolutely. But I like those the, the idea of doing a conference-style peer edit, because I think that also shows them, like, the stakes of this sort of yeah. work. Yeah, and, like, I, I'm pulling straight from, like, my undergrad experience. Like, I had to, we, I had a, lit, a contemporary literature class uh, that had us do, grouped us, uh, put us on like panels and then, or the professor grouped us, put us on panels. And then we presented uh, for like a series in a very like conference like style. That's so funny you say that because I don't think I did any peer edits after my freshman year that we had to do peer edits in our freshman reading and writing classes, which that's what they were. We had one semester on reading and one semester on writing. Um, and then never again. And it was really like a individual, you know, shotgun from right. then on. I guess you they, they, you guys just had it, right? <laughs> yeah, just nailed it. Um, I think the most collaboration we really did was 
in my theory class, we had to do a collaborative essay, but I can't think of any other time where I worked with other students in my undergrad English classes, which now hits me as so strange, but at the time just felt, yeah, this is how English classes work. It's just, you're writing a paper, so... It's just all on you. Um, Maybe we should, in the future, investigate collaborative essays. Because I I say that because they make, the idea of them, it it makes me very uncomfortable. Um, I didn't love it. Yeah, like, we don't want to go too much in the rabbit hole, not to cut you off, but I know you like to jump in. Um, But I think that's something we should maybe think about later. I'd be down to talk about it and think about how to make it work. Because I still, I do have them do group projects, and yeah, anyways, um, I guess if we're thinking about this, maybe we can pivot to thinking about how do we grade your edits, because that's where my brain goes to with group projects of that grading, but we're not talking Mm -hmm. about group projects. Um, So I guess, like, maybe we should start with just the general question of how do you want peer reviews to impact the grading? Like, do you think it's something that should receive a grade? Is it no stakes? What, how do you, I think it has to have stakes because inevitably if it doesn't, then you, you want to create a classroom community where the students, the stake is that you're going to let your partner down. Um, but inevitably you have students that, for whatever reason are not motivated by that. Um, and so, uh, it's usually something that I grade in terms of like completion. Um, because I'm a little uncomfortable with like assessing like how well they've done a peer review. Cause again, like, especially when you first start peer reviewing each other's papers, they sometimes just don't have the language or the tools to do it. And they're trying really hard, but they don't know what to say or or how to do it. Um, Now, with that being said, I always get a copy, right? So they always have to give it to me first and then I give it back or they have to upload it somewhere or some such thing as that because I do read through them and I make note of people, uh, students that aren't taking the workshop session seriously. And so in those cases, it's less about, um, like I'll still grade them for completion, but I'll usually just have a chat with them. Like, hey, I've noticed Mm -hmm. that, you know, your workshops aren't really up to par. Like your workshop feedback isn't up to par. Let's talk about how we get it where it needs to be. And it's either a case of like, they just don't have the tools yet and they're working on it or, they didn't think we were taking it that seriously, and now they know we are. Um, and it'll usually, if it, if that's the case, they'll snap them out of it. If it doesn't snap mm-hmm. them out of it, then I just start taking off the grade. Like, hey, you know, um, you didn't write in complete sentences, right? Like, really picky, and I'm not usually mm-hmm. like that. But if they're not taking workshops seriously, then they are letting down their classmate, and, and I will pull their grade for that. And that's, like, I think the biggest stakes for me with the with peer edits is that I don't want the any of my students to not receive the feedback they need because for many of them this sort of work is essential for their growth in the classroom and they need to receive that feedback from multiple sources not just from me and so if another student's not going to put in the time and effort it does affect their the education of their peers 
Um, and so I agree with you. Like, I like to have some stakes involved just so there's that added incentive to not let their fellow students down. Um, I also think it's nice to have that padding in there. Um, so students who are showing up consistently are trying as hard as they can. If they are maybe coming into the class with not the strongest foundation, but they're really working hard to build that, it's not that they're going to be, they can still work for a good grade in the course. Um, or that they can take a risk that, um, we talked in the past about having like term paper options, term project options where they can maybe go a little bit riskier, um, write a business proposal for feminist bookstore or do a podcast or whatever. Um, and I feel like the workshops alleviate that risk so they can really push themselves and challenge themselves without worrying about tanking their entire semester. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, so yeah, I have that built into my syllabus. So they see like proposal is worth 3% right. and half of that 3% is doing the proposal itself. But the other half is doing the workshop right. and same with like five points for conferences or whatever. So, and so Margaret, we are, we've talked about like, I guess like peer review and how it impacts like student grades, but then how does peer review impact like the kind of feedback that you give or does it? You did mention that, like with those propo that proposal workshop, you give really quick feedback because mm. uh, you want to get it to them during that session. But is there, like, do you have any other thoughts on this? Um, so since I have typically a conference in between where I meet with them individually, I normally start that conference by asking them what sort of feedback they received um, and how they felt about it. And if they have any, if it, you know, initiated any questions or anything like that. And we build off of that. Um, but overall, it doesn't directly affect the feedback I'm going to give them too much because I see it as supplementary voices where I have my perspective and my understanding of their work. And so my feedback is going to reflect that, but I'm not the only mm -hmm. reader. So um, their, their peers are going to read their work a different way, have different thoughts. Um, and if they're consistent, they're consistent. If there's a contradiction in what their peer is saying and what I'm saying, we talk about that and, and why that might be the case and which way they can go with it. Um, and, and so, yeah, the answer I guess is not really, it doesn't okay. affect it. It's just another step, but how well, about I you? I really like that, um, description of like the supplementary readers. I think that that's really, um, useful um sometimes i will use like the same guide uh as the one that they got during their their peer review mm. um to kind of guide me in leaving their um marginal comments right mm -hmm. so you know making sure that those categories are also reflected in the marginal comments that they give to me and using some of the same language so that they can see, um, like it manifests from me as well. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I guess it, that's maybe the most direct connection I have is that the peer review categories correlate pretty closely to the right. rubric categories yeah. that I used, which is more for them to see like what they're going to be assessed on. What are the important mm -hmm. parts of the paper, but also a reminder of those stakes. So like, take this 
seriously. But yeah, it's it's always a little bit funny grading peer edits because it does feel like a check mark. You know, it's it's not really a lot of right analysis happening that I think like other in some ways grading peer edits are very satisfying, as tedious as it is, because it is just that check mark you can turn it out pretty quickly mm-hmm. versus grading the actual papers. Yeah, it's the thing which... you do to procrastinate grading the actual papers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> but I don't know. Any final thoughts on peer edits? No, I don't think so. I think that this was super productive. I felt like I had more to say about peer edits than I thought I did. Um, yeah. I also now have a lot of things I want to try with peer edits. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks to you. Yeah. Um, so when you use peer edits in your next dream class, what is that dream class going to be? So I don't know if it's just 2020, but I want to talk about monsters all the time. Uh, so I was thinking about, like, a class on, like, Frankenstein, starting with, like, Mary Shelley, obviously, having them read Frankenstein, mm-hmm. but then moving into things like Galatea 2.2, which Richard Powers, I don't know if we've brought him up before. I would be surprised if we haven't, um, but... I think we may have talked about yeah, him. I'm not sure. So, um, like... And maybe our conversation before we started recording about, like, the Academy a little bit or higher ed, mm-hmm. um, I think Galatea, Galatea 2.2 would also make me think about, like, like, what's human? How do we dehumanize people, like, in terms of labor? How's that relevant to higher ed? Um, stuff like that. Obviously, motherhood is important, I think to talk about with Galatea 2.2 in a, in a roundabout way mm-hmm. or not. And, and, you know, maybe I'm just feeling particularly salty about Florida state right now. So maybe I would talk about that. <laughs> um, so again, like, I guess like they won't be as relevant, but their policy about working parents during COVID anyway, bypassing the rabbit hole. Um, but <laughs> that I would also maybe bring in, um, Franken Kistein, Oh, did you I start did that? Start it. I did start it. So, mm. you know. Um, and, the, I mean, there's so many adaptations of Frankenstein. I, I would also want to bring in some film adaptations, but I don't know what. But essentially, yeah. you know, I've realized that every time I talk about my dream course, I do the thing that I said I'm not going to do, and I'm like, here are the text I would use. Um, <laughs> but I think my objectives would be to look at, like, um, this image of the monster uh, and how it's changed and the way in which we use the language of the mo- monstrous to dehumanize people um, or mm. to validate our like poor ethics. I'm trying to remember what the, who the article is written by. It's called um, The Other Woman. And I forget the, what happened comes after the colon but it's about how like feminism we always talk about I know this woman who in a lot of these speeches and rhetoric and my sister and how that creates a problem of like creating feminist feminism in a self-likeness while also othering these experiences don't happen to someone who's put together and it's going to be the voice of the movement it happens to those other women that are behind the scenes and I think we're seeing a change in that right now this article I think was written in the 80s um but that could be useful, too, for thinking about that sort of benign otherization that's not so benign. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I I keep seeing that image of like, you know, like flat, sewn together flesh every time I think about this class. Um and so I think that would be a recurring image in the in the class. Yeah, that'd be Yeah. So, Margaret, what's your dream course? Well, I'm going to take a note from you and and talk a little bit about the course objectives for this, but I think I'd want a class on novels with footnotes. And we talked a little bit about this before. The reason I want to do this is because I want students to think about research, like research in the humanities in general, but more specifically in literature courses, and think about the narratives that happen when we research, like that we're taking data and putting it together to form a narrative. And what are the ethics of that? Um, whose voices do we include? Who do we exclude? Um, so I think we'd look at um, Sadia Hartman's um, Venus in Two Acts to talk to initiate that conversation, but then start working with like footnotes. And, and so some texts that I think would be useful, like The Brief Wonder's Life of Oscar Wilde, um, the Mezzanine, House of Leaves, but also like Joyce Carol Oates has like a really weird novel called My Sister, My Love, where, and, and so thinking about like, what are these protagonists researching? What drives it? Are these ethical searches? Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what, what is an ethical research practice and all of that? So it'd be sort of like content wise, a class on like the structure of a novel, but the actual objectives would be thinking about research and, and research methods. I think that would... I don't know what sort of, like, final project would that would look like. Ooh. But that would it be It ha- would have to be something like, with footnotes. Yeah, I think it would be a pretty meta project. Yeah. Like, have them write some sort of narrative with footnotes. Yeah, and they'd have to talk about their research yeah, process. Yeah, that would be really interesting. Like, the footnotes maybe would be the research yeah. process. Like, how did you find this information? Right. Oh, I love that that final project. Um, I, that's that's all I can think about lately, to be honest. It's just <laughs> this like how to how to talk about research and the ethics of it more. But you know, someday. Yeah. All right. All of these dream courses are someday. absolutely okay, Margaret. Uh, we'll talk to you later.